Podcasting from Phoenix, Arizona, the home of year-round flip-flops, the nation's largest city park, and Cactus League spring training. This is The Saver and the Spender, a weekly podcast about budgeting and money habits from both perspectives. And now, here are your hosts, The Saver and financial coach, Kelsa Dickey, and her husband, The Spender, Michael Dickey. Welcome to uh, episode two of the podcast, episode two. Today's topic is going to be on debt. Yes. So, you know, I feel like everybody has struggled with debt or has debt or has even been tempted to take out debt if you've never done it, but maybe you've been tempted at some point to do it. Um, You know, and some people come to me and they say, you know, I have debt and it's really holding me back from accomplishing different things or making a lifestyle change. It's really affecting me. And then other people say, yeah, I've got debt, but it doesn't really bother me. I don't really ever think about it. I just pay it and I go along with my life. So um, I think there's like this whole wide spectrum of people with debt. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, and one thing that most people don't know about us is that we were in debt a long time ago, fairly big. Um, you know, we had... Well, and I think really quickly, yeah. so big is so relative. It is relative. You know, because it's, it's, I have clients who with what I would consider very little debt and it is really bothersome to them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's maybe one really small credit card, but they just can't seem to get out of it. And it's more of the cycle that they're in that's bothersome and not necessarily the dollar amount. Sure. Uh, and then other people are in massive amounts of debt and for some reason they it doesn't seem to bother them so there is you know a whole spectrum of it I will say uh really quickly before you tell your story is that uh everybody I think wants to have less debt whether you want to have less and you want to do it very quickly and really hunker down and sacrifice and get out of it quickly or you simply want to enjoy life a little bit and continue to get out of debt in the process I do think everybody ultimately wants to have less of it Sure. It's not, not like anybody says, I want to have more debt. Right. right. Like, I love having debt. I love debt. having like, debt, This yeah. makes me feel awesome. Right. I don't think people say no, that. Exactly. No, no, not at all. <laughs> but so, you know, relatively, I think to us, and even looking back now, we were in a lot of debt, a lot of, sure. a lot of mm-hmm. expenses. We had credit cards. We had, you know, uh, wedding costs and um, your master's student degree, loans. student loans and uh, car payments, all these kind of things that were, that racked up to quite a bit of money for, in our, our eyes. Um, I think it felt at the time, though, very normal, you know, so I was a first generation college student, so it just seemed normal for me that if I was going to college, I was going to need student loans. And so Mm -hmm. I had student loans, Um, not, not anything like it is today with student loans. I will, I will say that I do think they're sort of a a much bigger problem. And I think the listener question that we have for today is about student loans. So we'll definitely talk about that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had one car payment. I don't think we ever had two car payments at one time. Though, I think, I think. So. No. or if we did, we had like one for like a couple of months and we, we added another car payment, uh, right at the end of that. But, yeah. um, so I do think again, that was, it felt very normal to us. And then I think we had credit card debt. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. And, and we would, we were in the mindset of at the time, I don't know if you can do it anymore if there are even cards out there, but we would put it from one 0% interest card for a while yeah, and, and pay it and then yep. just kind of keep switching every, whenever the new interest rate starts up, we would switch it to 0%. And that was, yeah. We were okay with that at the yeah, time. Yeah, it didn't and, seem like a big deal. And I don't even, I mean, personally, I didn't know any better. And I right. didn't know any different. Right. And for me, I mean, I knew, I mean, as a financial person, I really just didn't see the debt that we had as a problem. You know, it was very manageable. It was not a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though I knew that it could be a problem later, to me, it just didn't seem like a big deal at the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, it wasn't, I mean, it was a crazy debt, like, right. relatively. Right. But it was enough where looking back, we're like, oh, man, that was a lot of debt. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, one day, we felt trapped by it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So we moved to Arizona, and you were working mm-hmm. and hated your job. And for anybody who knows Michael, uh, very laid-back guy, really chill, and uh, very happy guy. So to say that you hated your job is a big deal. Yep. You know, for you to be unhappy is a big deal. So you hated your job, and all of a sudden one day we looked and we felt like we were tied to that income. Yes. And it was because of the debt. And here you hated your job, and you couldn't leave because of the debt. Right. And exactly. almost overnight we thought, well, this is why debt's a problem. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is why even though it's manageable, you know, it can all of a sudden one day just hold you back as your life changes. Um, you know, I, there's an old saying, this has been around for a very long time, that you can fall into debt, but you can't fall out of it. You can just very randomly, very naturally get find yourself in debt, but you can't just randomly find yourself out of it. You have to work a plan. You have to put a system in place. You have to work really hard to get out of debt, but you don't have to work hard to get into it. Right. Yeah. Right. So we didn't work hard to get in it. We didn't seem to be working hard in order to keep it or pay it off or maintain it. And then all of a sudden, one day we realized that we were working just to have the debt. Absolutely. You know? And then it just takes one, I'm sure there's one aha moment right. uh, for everybody. And for us, it was that, that losing a job. But like, man, I can't, uh, or leaving a job, I can't leave or I can't make this change or, or do the things that we want to do because we have this debt. Yeah. And I do think a big, you know, especially for people who are having, if you work full time, you have a salary position or something like that, and then you all of a sudden want to uh, start your own business or do something that's your passion, but you know it might be that you don't make a living for, or you don't make a ton of money for a while, which was in your case. You wanted to leave mm-hmm. and actually start your own business. But we knew that that meant no income for a little while, and at the time, it didn't seem that that was a, a possible plan for us to implement. Right. Right. Or, you know, even if you just hated your job and you wanted to leave and not work for a month while you gained some sanity. Right. <laughs> you know, because you know, it was a very toxic environment. So I do think, you know, leaving for a little while and going through a, uh, a detox, if you will, yeah. <laughs> would have been okay. Uh, but we didn't really feel like you you could and I think that was when we kind of looked at each other and was like this isn't going to be we're not going to do this anymore right and you know I was just thinking um while we're talking about this what if I didn't have the choice of leaving what if I was fired or you know something I just lost the job I mean we would have been right have no choice so even more um justification of you know, trying to get as little debt as possible. Right, exactly. For everybody, but, for you know, for us as well. Yeah. So, I mean, we're happy to report. We have been debt-free for such a long time that I don't even... Mm-hmm. It's so good to talk about what that was like, though, because mm-hmm. of the pain of it, you yeah. know? I, I tell my clients all the time, you can once you're out of debt, you actually will very quickly be surprised how much you forget what that was like. Yeah. The pain of being in debt and how restrictive it felt and how trapped you felt. And then all of a sudden, a year later, you will entertain the idea of going back into debt again. I mean, it's crazy to yeah. me how many of my clients will work so hard to get out of debt and then a year later try to justify to themselves going back in debt and I have to sort of walk them off that ledge. Um, and so I'm glad that we're talking about this, not that we've entertained the idea, but there is an example. We'll talk about it later. I'm going to bring it up. You don't even know I'm going to bring oh, it up. Oh, yeah. But <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> um, so I think it is really good to sort of talk about it. So what... Um, 
when it comes to us making that decision, uh, good question. Tammy has asked us a question on Facebook Live. Uh, we do have a mortgage, so I don't consider that. I should not say that we're debt-free. We are debt-free minus a mortgage. So we do have a mortgage payment, but that is the only debt that we have. So mm -hmm. um, good question. Thank you for asking, Tammy, and, and sorry to clarify that. And even uh, Dave Ramsey considers debt, yeah. you know, you, uh, you can still have a mortgage and be debt-free. Right, yeah. Dave Ramsey, um, Kiyosaki, he also, he's actually a, a fan of real estate debt in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. So um, Susie Orman, I, I do feel like... Uh, and uh, later we're going to talk about financial principles. And when we bought our house, we had financial principles in place that guided us on exactly how much of a mortgage we could take. We had 20% down. It was a certain percentage of our income. And we really followed our principles to a T. And it, so I look at our mortgage debt and I, I love our house. I love our payment. I love everything about it because I know that we made that decision perfectly in line with our values. And so we are going to talk about financial principles a little later too. Mm -hmm. So, Okay. Um, so what is some of the things that changed, or what had to change, do you think, while we were getting out of debt, or in order for us to spark that idea? For me, there, I think I just had to change my mindset. Okay. Um, being that I had that spender personality, um, I really had to, I guess I changed my mindset. Um, and without sounding too harsh on myself, um, and uh, holier than thou, but I think for me, I really had to put on my big boy pants <laughs> <laughs> and just say, hey, you know what, we're, we're doing this. I mean, I'm, I'm having to sacrifice my wants to uh, help my family out, uh, you know, and, and just for our life and our future. Uh, we didn't have kids at the time, but even now, I mean, especially now that we have our daughter, that we need to make sacrifices for uh, financial sacrifices for our future. Absolutely. And I think about, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, Michael stays home most of the time with our daughter. Uh, he helps out with physical fitness, as you can see, but um, I meet with clients most of the day and he's at home with her and we would not have that possibility. That would not be an option. It would not be something even on our radar as a possibility if we still had debt, Right. you know, so... Yeah. I'm so grateful that we did what we did so long ago because now I see that all these decisions we've made since then, even me growing my business, uh, was, was really only possible from a mental standpoint because I knew we weren't strapped by something. So we didn't have a whole bunch of bills that we needed to pay. Um, and if I had a bad month, it really wasn't going to be a big deal because we, we weren't, we weren't going to go behind on a bunch of debt. Mm -hmm. You know, So that was good. So the mindset is huge. So there's a few things that I do think um, you sort of have to change with your mindset when you are getting out of debt or when you are in debt and you're thinking that you want to get out of it. So as you said, you, you know, put on your big boy pants, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And uh, just know that it is, you're going to be making sacrifices and that sort of thing. I look at debt sort of like um, uh, ripping off a Band-Aid, okay? So some people want to get out of debt super fast and they are going to sacrifice to the nth degree. They are going to cut out everything, every movie, every night out, every dinner, every luxury in their life, and it's like ripping off a Band-Aid really fast. It still hurts. It's, taking off that Band-Aid is still going to hurt, but you're going to do it really fast and it's for a short period of time. Or some people say, I want to get out of debt, 
but I'm not willing to sacrifice every part of my life in order to do it. So you're taking off that bandage a little slower. You're going to sacrifice a little bit. The pain's not going to be as great, but it's going to be longer. You're slowly going to be tearing off that bandaid and it's still going to be painful, but it is going to take longer and it might not be as painful as ripping off the bandaid fast. So, you know, there is no right or wrong way to do this. It's not, it's not like one way is better or worse. It, it really has to do with what's right for you and your family. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or what's best for you. Um, so another mindset thing is, uh, you know, and this is, I get a lot of pushback on this. Uh, you are not going to get rich by using a credit card. My anti-credit card, um, I think there's a very healthy way to use them. And I don't think it's healthy to go through life saying credit cards are evil. I don't think there's anything evil about them. Um, I think they can simply be mismanaged and they can lead to some poor decisions because it kind of makes you look at money as out of sight, out of mind. It makes it so you don't see it as clearly, which is trouble. But if you find a way to manage that, then the credit card itself is not bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I think you have to kind of tell yourself that that mindset that you're not getting rich and you're not also going to be poor because you stop using credit cards just because we hear that all the time that people are getting rich off their points, but they're not. Um, if somebody tells you that, if somebody says, oh, well, I have all these points and I get all these flights and I do all of this, um, and you know, ask them how much per month they charge to that credit card because it's probably a lot. And if you aren't going to be charging that much, then you aren't going to be getting rich or you're not going to get all of these benefits. So a person who says, and uh, you know, we had a client say that she got a couple of free companion flights by using uh, a credit card. And I asked her, or I actually asked to see her statement. And in the course of a year, you guys, she had put $110,000 on a credit card, but she got two companion flights out of it for free. And so if you are not going to put $110,000 on a credit card, which I really hope you're not, okay, then chances are you're not going to be earning a ton of points. But if you can earn a few points and by putting some purchases on there that you already have the money and savings for, hey, it's a little bit of a benefit, no big deal. Um, So you got to have to change that perspective a little bit or that mindset Um, I also think another one is that you, just because you can afford the payment does not mean you can afford the item, right? Mm -hmm. So a car, um, credit cards, any 0% same as cash offer for like furniture or uh, any big purchase electronics or something like that, just because you can afford the payment does not mean you can afford the item, okay? So that's another mindset shift. Um, What about that one? Sure. Um, just be in the mindset that debt doesn't have to be normal, and that's not the only way yeah. to live your life. Well, and I think that's important because at the time, how many of our friends do you think had debt? Well, I'm sure all of them. All of them. <laughs> yeah. If not the high majority. So the majority, absolutely. Um, if for us to not be in debt, we really had to be different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we had to really challenge the thought that that was an okay way of doing things because maybe it was okay for us for a long time, but the, and it was maybe okay for other people, but for us, it was at, at the end of the day, just not okay. Right. Right. So, and, and you don't have to, you know, uh, that mindset of keeping up with your friends being, uh, keeping up with the Joneses, whatever that, that saying is you want to, want to try, Oh, he is, that guy has a BMW. So I'm gonna, I, I need a really fancy car too, but you know, you can be in the mindset of, if you're trying to get out of debt, you can have a beater car mm-hmm. with no car payment, mm-hmm. um, and you're going to get out of debt, and just think of how much more you actually have. Yeah. You know, I think about, too, and we, we didn't really talk about we were going to talk about this, but um, I look back at our times when we were getting out of debt as some of, like, 
my best memories, you know? So one of the things that we did was we went down to one car and we shared a car for a while. And I, I think, I mean, I don't, I don't look back on that with like resentment or frustration or a level of restriction. I mean, I look back on that and I think that was kind of fun, you know, or I think about all the times that we sacrificed throughout our life or we really lived within our means or minimally, minimally. And I do think even when you talk to people who are older and they look back on their life, they don't look back with frustration at the times where they considered themselves poor or they, they had a financial goal and they were doing whatever it took to achieve it. Right. If anything, they look at it with a very proud feeling, a feeling of such deep pride and, you know, I think like giving each other a high five of like just how good of a job we did to do that, right. you know? Right. So if we didn't, didn't take the time to get out of debt, we actually would have robbed ourselves of that, you know, really proud feeling. Right. It's, it's kind of like, and I think, and I can't speak from experience, but, um, you know, when people go into basic training for uh, the armed forces, that type of training and, and the, the hell week and all that kind of stuff is just not fun. <laughs> you know, it's, it's to say it minimally. But when those uh, people get out, they're like, that was the, you know, the best time of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, they look back at it fondly. So um, yeah. th- there's something to say about pain of, uh, and sacrifice, but getting something out of it is always worth it. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the, the key of that is that you might not always know what you're getting out of it at the time. So I actually think I'm feeling such pride now, even 10 years later, now that you can stay home with our daughter or we can, you know, take a vacation and not worry about it. Or there's just so many things now that I think it's because we made that decision so long ago, but we it, it took time. And there were a lot of benefits for a long time, but now I'm feeling really great benefit. I mean, even grander oh, benefits, yeah. you know? Yes. So, But it's, it just takes time to sort of feel all of the, the benefit there. So um, those are some of the mindset things that, you know, debt is not the only way. It's not. You can absolutely wait, pay cash for things. Um, you know, you, debt is not the only way, even though that's hard. I also think one of the other... Comments that somebody had put uh, on the the last podcast live that we did on Facebook was, it's so hard when you're looking at other people buying things and you know they're doing it on debt. Um, or, you know, I will challenge that. You, you may not know that they are, to be honest. So some people may not be doing it on debt, but, you know, so challenge that idea too that you don't always know. Um, right. But that if you look at them and let's say you do know that they're putting it on debt and they're buying the nicer car or they're taking the bigger vacation and they're seemingly have so much more than you have because they're willing to do that and you're not, that can sometimes be so hard, you know? Um, My perspective on that though, is that there is a trade-off that you do not see. There is times at night where they're maybe arguing about money because they're not sure how to make ends meet. There is times where they're laying in bed at night and they have those worries of, what are we going to do? How are we going to get out of this? Mm-hmm. You know, or they've got the buyer's remorse. You don't see the buyer's remorse. You know, Facebook is full of the pictures of people buying new cars and the picture of them standing next to their brand new car and all that kind of stuff. You don't see the picture like a month later when they get that car payment, and they're like kicking themselves. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or they're standing by their car, like with a frown, like we don't do that side of it. Right. Like you see the rosy side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you see the pictures of vacations and, um, you know, sort of that, that part of everything, but you don't see the other part of it. And it is there. It is there. So you just have to remind yourself and, you know, really it comes down to not comparing yourself. So what is that saying? Comparison is the thief of joy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is true. So at the end of the day, whether they're paying for it with debt, whether they're paying for it with cash, whether they can afford it or not is all irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Okay. What can you do? Okay. It doesn't matter about what anybody else can do. Okay. So I really just got on a soapbox there. <laughs> That's fine. So That's good. <laughs> Rightly so. <Sorry. laughs> but you know, well, you're right. You don't up. see, why don't, I mean, we need to start doing this on our Facebook page, but you always see when we bought p- pictures of, I uh, look what I just bought. But you never see, look at the credit card I just paid off. I would love Look that. at I mean, the debt that I just paid off. I would love that. I would love people to either post pictures or, um, you know, cutting up a credit card or a credit, a credit card statement or a student loan statement, you know, light it on fire, but yeah. please be safe, but take a video of it. Oh my God. I would love, seriously, that would make my entire week if I yeah. started seeing that. That'd be awesome. And really it comes down to encouraging people in that way too, letting other people yeah. feel our wins because... It really does lead to success is contagious. Mm-hmm. So the more they see people succeeding, the more they want to succeed. And so let's, you know, sort of share all of that. Yeah, share all motivate of somebody. Yeah, Absolutely. exactly. Uh, another thing really fast that I think that, uh, that when I had to change my mindset was I had to be more intentional with money. Oh, yeah. Um, not going out and spending willy-nilly, um, you know, as I'm doing grocery shopping. Oh, look at that DVD. I'm going to buy that too. I'm going to throw that on to the groceries that I buy. Um, so, uh, yes. So my newsletter went out yesterday, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And the challenge, I always do a fiscal challenge every month. And, uh, the, the fiscal challenge for this coming month is that I want everybody to make a grocery list for a Sunday, go to the grocery store and only buy what's on the, on the list, Mm -hmm. which is believe it or not so hard for some people. Some people find it easy. You've done it that way forever. And other people cannot go to the grocery store without adding things to their cart that is not on the list. So your challenge is you're not allowed to add anything into your cart. That's not already on your list. So it forces you to be intentional. And at first, like I said, that's really hard for some people, but the more you do it, it takes practice. So the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Then after a while, that's just normal. That's just the way you do it. And that's why it's important to do that as a challenge every single week for a month, because at the end of the month, you'll be surprised the things you don't forget that you would have forgotten that first week. Yeah, absolutely. And that is the way that we do it. And I, and, um, mm-hmm. and and the tip that I have for you is that you have to, not only do you need to make a grocery list, but you need to make a meal plan. Mm-hmm. And you so you find some recipes, think about you know, how your week is going to be, make a crock pot, you know, find some crock pot recipes where you have three or four different meals ready to go, uh, make a meal plan, breakfast, lunch, dinner for every day of the week. Based on those meal plans, then you have a grocery list. Right. And then you go right. shopping. And that includes snacks and anything else you'd need for the week. Yeah. And grocery list it up and yeah. look at it. And that's there, it. You know, this is sort of within that topic, but not necessarily about debt, but, you know, is the idea of just kind of raiding your pantry and doing a meal out of it. So sometimes I feel like one of the ways that we can be so entitled is this feeling of like having a really great meal every single meal, Mm -hmm. which isn't true. Like, I mean, raid your pantry and maybe on your plate is a whole bunch of stuff that doesn't really go together. But as long as you're eating, who really cares? If you're getting out of debt and that's one less, it saves a trip to the grocery store and it saves the temptation of adding stuff to your cart or whatever the case may be, um, you know, not to get on another soapbox, but there is a whole bunch of people that barely can afford food or don't have great meals throughout the day. So just raid your pantry, make it fun, make it a game, you know, kind of laugh about it, if you will, because it's really not that big of a deal. Sure. You know? it's, it's okay to say, you know, let's just have peanut butter and jelly for lunch today. You know? and, <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I would love, let's have peanut butter and jelly Ooh. for lunch today. <laughs> <That's> just, <laughs> just spoonfuls. <laughs> 
<laughs> How many of you guys, okay, so I get teased. Uh, Michael and I love eating just spoonfuls of peanut butter. So, like, we go through peanut butter in our house so fast because we both just can take a scoop of peanut butter and just... Oh, man, it's so good. So I don't know how many of you are like that, but we love peanut butter. It has nothing to do with money, but we love peanut yeah. butter. Okay. That's right. So. <laughs> and, and what is your nickname for Carmen? Oh, peanut butter. She's got a little <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> I have no idea. You know where they say, like, when you have a baby, you, a nickname just sort of happens? Yeah. And I have no idea why that happened, but she was born, and she is my little peanut butter. And it's a good thing, because I love peanut butter, so it's a term of endearment. It is. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about um, getting out of debt. Sure. So what I think what everybody would like to know, and, and I want to know what your thoughts are, but the best way to get out of debt. It's kind of a trick question. Okay. So That's um, tricky. <laughs> uh, there is no best way to get out of debt, actually. So there's a whole bunch of ways to get out of debt. Uh, and I actually think people get frozen when they want to get out of debt, and they actually don't start because they're so worried about what is the best way. And, um, and, and sorry to interrupt, but we're talking about like strategies. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, okay. Oh, so let's talk about some of them. So, and people know some of the more popular ones. So, uh, the snowball approach is he, that's favored by Dave Ramsey. And so it's the idea that you put all of your debt in order of balance amount and you pay off the one with the lowest balance first, and then you pay off the one with the second lowest balance second and so forth. Um, so you would pay the minimums on everything except for the one you're focusing on. And that one gets all extra money. Okay, until it's mm. gone is the idea. Uh, the idea on why that uh, strategy works is because um, it, it you get to experience a quick win. So if you need a quick win, you would pay off the one with the lowest balance. You feel like you're accomplishing something, and you get to move on to the next one. The second most popular that most people know is the Avalanche, which is favored by Susie Orman, and that's the one with the highest interest rate. So you would put all of your debt in order of interest rate. Uh, pay the minimums on everything, and the one with the highest interest rate, you pay off first, and so forth. The theory behind that one is that it's because that one is costing you the most money, so you should, you should pay it off first. And that's true. It is costing you the most money. It's got the highest interest rate. Mm -hmm. um, the third most popular way, I don't know if there's a name for it, but it's essentially the one with the highest payment amount. So you would put all of your debt in order of payment amount. Uh, I, I think Robert Kiyosaki kind of likes this one, but he excludes mortgage. So he's the real estate guy. He doesn't want, he, he's okay with mortgage debt. Um, That's rich dad, poor dad. Yes. Okay. Rich dad, poor dad. Yes. Um, so you exclude mortgages, but you put all of your other debt by payment amount and you pay off the one with the highest payment amount first. The idea is that that one is causing you the most pain cash flow wise or costing you the most every month in your cash flow. And so when you pay that one off, it frees up the most cash per month, which I mean, it, it is true that one's costing you the most per month, so that's why that's accurate. Uh, I actually think there's a fourth way, which is the one with the most emotional baggage. So if you were to look at all of your debt and maybe there's one that really just causes you a lot of pain every time you look at it, um, that's maybe the one we want to pay off first because we don't need a toxic reminder in your life of maybe a past bad decision that you've made. Or I'll give you an example. I had a client who she had five, or I'm sorry, three credit cards, uh, each with about $5,000 on them, and uh, one of them was $5,000 that she paid her attorney for her divorce. Mm -hmm. And so every time she made that payment, every month she kind of relived such a bad time of her life. And, you know, she would get sad all over again and bitter and jaded and all sorts of stuff. And so it was like, let's get that one out of your life first because we don't need that reminder in there. Or, you know, we have another example of uh, when we were doing a workshop, but a young lady was telling me that her student loans, uh, you know, everybody kept telling her that she didn't need to pay off her student loans, that that was considered good debt. 
Uh, and I essentially gave her permission to pay those off because she looked at her student loans and when she was in school, she says, she made really bad decisions. She took vacations with her student loans. She used it to in- improve her lifestyle. And she looks at it, she just regrets it so much. And so every time she looks at her student loans, she gets mad at herself. And it's like, well, why do we need that reminder I, of, a, of a decision you would not make again today, but you can't undo it? Let's just get it out of your life. So whether it's considered good debt, bad debt, it, in that instance, the interest rates are relevant, the balances are relevant, just get it out of your life because we want to be able to move on, Okay. So the thing that they all have in common is they all say, pay the minimums on everything and pay everything extra to one debt. So pick one debt and throw everything extra to it. They just simply disagree on which one debt that should be. And here's the truth. They're all right. Every single one of those strategies is correct. It really just depends on your own situation. So, you know, some people look at their debt and they're like, Uh, I I hate it all. Like, I don't have an emotional attachment. I just don't like any of it. Well, then the emotional baggage one wouldn't apply to you. Other people look at their debt and they say there's one specific one that just really upsets them. Well, let's get that one out of your life. Um, Some people don't have a whole bunch of different interest rates. Some people have all all credit cards at around 14 to 15%. You know, other people have a bunch of small ones and then one that's at 29% interest. Maybe it's a store card or something, you know. And so the interest interest rate one makes sense for them. Some people come in and they say, "I I don't care what it takes. I'm getting out of debt no matter what. So they don't need a quick win. They are going to get out of debt no matter what. They're fired up. So let's do a different approach, maybe the avalanche, because it's going to save you money over time. Uh, Other people are like, oh, I want to get out of debt, but look at that shiny thing over there I want to buy. So they need a little bit of a quick win. They need some motivation. They need to see that it can actually be fun to get out of debt. And in that case, we're probably going to do the snowball. Okay. So my opinion is that if you're getting out of debt, you are doing something right. It's the right call and you should just keep doing what you're doing. What I want you to do is I want you to pay the minimums on everything, pick one debt and you throw everything to that debt until it's gone. You do not stop and you do not change course. So what I don't want you to do is pick a debt and then you read a blog article or you talk to a friend or you talk to a coworker and they say, no, you're not supposed to do it that way. And so you stop and switch. Okay. Mm -hmm. That doesn't work. The other thing that doesn't work is divide and conquer where if you have an extra $500, you throw 100, 100, 100, and 100 extra to five different credit cards or five different debts. Don't do that. Pick one debt and throw everything extra to it. Um, that's really the way that can be very motivating because you can see those balances change dramatically from one month to the next. And so it keeps you on track no matter which strategy you choose. Okay. So stay the course, stay the course. Um, and so there's not really a right way or a wrong way. There really is no best way. Um, if you're getting out of debt, you are doing something right. You deserve to give yourself a pat on the back. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Do you have any other tips or tricks for debt? Yes. Okay. So this is where, you know, I mentioned earlier that we're going to talk a little bit about financial principles. Um, Another word for this that I sometimes use is financial rules. What I think every person should have is sort of like your guiding principles over how you're going to manage money. So this is key, um, especially when it comes to debt. So some ideas are, if you're in a relationship, like we always talk about a decision that costs more than X. Okay. So most couples know that if if they wanted something that was $5,000, can you just go and buy that without talking to your spouse? Probably not. Probably right? not. Okay. I hope not. Okay. <laughs> I do um, not. But could you buy something without talking to your spouse that was $100? 
maybe, yeah. right? Like there's this yeah. whole gray area, yeah, yeah, in yeah, other yeah. words, yeah. where like we know when you can't do it, but then there's this whole area and what I think might be different than what you think, sure. right? Yeah. So a rule you would put in place says we will always talk about money uh, on a decision that costs more than X. And you just put that in there. That way, it's a no-brainer, right? You can't say, well, I didn't know you wanted me to talk to you about that or any number of things, okay? Sorry, he keeps fixing fixing me. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Um, sorry. Okay, so the another one is, you know, we will always have X amount in savings, you know, mm -hmm. for example. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll never, our savings will never dip below $1,000 or whatever the case may be. Um, and then... But when it comes to debt, this is crucial because regardless of how everybody else is doing it or what's really popular at the time, interest rates are great, there's this fad or whatever the case may be, if you have a guiding principle in place on how you're going to manage debt, this will always keep you in check no matter the temptations. So, you know, a couple of examples are what are you willing to take on new debt for? Are you, some people are willing to take on debt for a car and a mortgage, and those are the two things. But then you would want to write down and say, we are willing to take on debt for a car or a mortgage, okay? That way, if you find yourself in a furniture store and they're offering, th you know, 36 months, 0%, blah, 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 you're not going to be tempted because your rule is that you cannot take on debt for furniture, okay? The only things you can do it for are car and mortgage. Um, our financial principle, I don't know if I still have these written down. Did you know this? No. Okay, yes, I did. We did this a long time ago. So, really? and, and these are the types of principles that really should last a lifetime, pretty much. Okay, mm -hmm. so in ours do. We, uh, a long time ago, we decided that we would only ever take on new debt for a mortgage. Okay, you remember that, I'm I, sure. I do. Mm -hmm. So, I'm glad you said yes, even if you don't remember. <laughs> um, I will have to re read these to you. Yeah. So, um, one. So recently, in the last three months, Michael and I have purchased a new vehicle, right? Right. And, well, new to us, okay? Right. And we were in the market for a new vehicle, I should say. And my accountant keeps telling me that I should lease a vehicle because it's better for my business expenses. We really don't drive anywhere for business. Our office is very close to the house. Um, you know, everything we do is pretty local, so um, I don't have a big mileage deduction. And so she kept saying that I really should lease a vehicle and I really considered this for a solid month I think you know because I'm a number cruncher so of course I don't make decisions quickly so I, I had spreadsheets I had lists I had all sorts of number crunching things happening where I was really analyzing the idea of leasing a car instead of us buying it outright mm -hmm. okay and then I looked at our principles and our principle is that we will not take on debt for, for a vehicle Okay, that we will always, and I think we even have a, a rule that says we will always pay cash for a vehicle. Mm -hmm. And it really kept me in check. Sure. It said, you know what, no matter what anyone else is saying, it, it doesn't really matter. For us, the right decision was a decision that we put in place a long time ago. Because the idea of a rule is that when you're logical and rational and you're being sane about your money, that's when you want to put the rule in place. Okay. Then down the road, when you're being emotional or you're being tempted by something, you're not exactly being rational, that's when that is supposed to keep you in check. Sure. Okay? Because we could have been tempted by a brand new Toyota Highlander hybrid with all bells and whistles, and we could have leased it, but that wasn't our principle. Right. Right? right. So, And that guiding principle also, when we purchased our house, really helped us to feel great about the house that we bought. I mean, it was well within our budget. We saved 20% down. We did everything right. And, uh, I mean, I think now because of that, we have no stress. It's not a house that stresses us out or anything. I think we feel very proud of that move. Absolutely. 
Yep. Yeah. So I want you guys to set financial principles. So, you know, what um, what are you willing to take under debt for? I'm very specific. And if you, it is something like a house or a car, uh, how much are you willing to take out? Are you only willing to do it if you have a certain amount down first? Um, for a car, what's the maximum length of time that you would be willing to finance it for? You know, nowadays you can do an eight-year car loan. Just because you can do it doesn't mean that you should. I know. Isn't that crazy? Eight years. Don't do it. So, um, but, so maybe you say I'm willing to take on debt for a new car, but I, only if I have you know, 20% down and only for a maximum of five-year loan or something like that. That way, again, just because you can do an eight-year loan and afford the payment doesn't mean you can afford the car. Hmm. Right, so it kind of keeps you in check of making sure that you're buying a car that's actually reasonable and that sort of thing. Right. Um, does that make sense? So that's a guiding principle. So everybody should have those written down. And like I said, once you're out of debt, you'll be surprised by how quickly you can get right back into it without thinking it's a big deal. So the guiding principles really help to kind of keep you in check, regardless of what those around you are doing or what's the fad that year, um, how good interest rates are, and all that kind of stuff. Cool. Great. Uh, the last trick that I have is visual cues. So we, I actually have a blog article. Uh, maybe you can post it in the footnotes of yep. the podcast when I this will. goes live or on the Facebook Live. Um, of all the different fun ways that you can do a visual cue. So, you know, a thermometer is the most popular one where you actually do a thermometer um, that shows and you color it in for every $1,000 you pay off or something like that. Oh, like a fundraiser, like the fundraiser, like I'm meeting my goal or... Like a charity a donation. Charity? Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Okay. yeah, so um, you can do that. You can do where you, you've got a grid and you have where you color in a grid or every every square is 50 bucks or something like that. Um the other thing is to have pictures around your house or in on the dashboard of your car of why debt-free is important to you. So what would getting out of debt, why? What's the reason for that? Is it because you want to be able to take a vacation and pay cash? Is it um, because you want to be able to leave your job and do something different? Or I mean, what is your why? And find a picture that resembles that or really represents that and plaster it all over the place. On your mirror in your bathroom, next to the TV, anything that you can do. And again, I have a, a blog post that has tons of examples or tons of fun things that you can do. And the best thing is just to keep it front and center because you will forget. You will forget why it's important to you and you need to be reminded. And so having those visual cues all over the place will really help to keep it present in your mind. Okay. Great. I love that one. That's good. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Um, so now we have... Uh, so now we have... Uh, uh, listener question. Oh, okay. okay. And this is from, let me pull it up here. It is from Dave. Uh, Dave says, I'm a junior attending a state college and I'm roughly $32,000 in debt at the moment and I'll be fifty dollars to $60,000 in debt when I'm done. What can I do now that will help me in the future? Ooh, okay. Student loans. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, so man. these are kind of like the next bubble, I think. Um, I'm not anti-student loan. I do think some student loans are okay. And I think the biggest problem that we've experienced, you know, five, ten years, however long it's been, is that uh, people are living off of student loans. So, you know, the idea is that you go to school, they give you so much for tuition and room and board, but they also grant you more for living expenses while you're going to school or for other schooling costs, like a laptop and that kind of thing. And they simply just send you a check at the beginning of the semester after the school's taken their portion, they send you the difference. And then people use that money to live off of, to essentially improve their lifestyle while they're in school, mm. okay? And that's what we don't want to use room or, uh, student loans for. So, you know, you don't want to be taking vacations with this. 
You don't want to be, you know, buying a house or having, you know, a really nice apartment while you're in college that you don't share with anybody else or anything like that, just because later down the road, you will be paying for this. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the first thing that I would say is to work. So get a job. Okay. Um, I, you know, I hear people say all the time, well, their, their job while they're in school is just to go to school. I disagree. Mm -hmm. I think our job as people is to learn how to contribute and to manage multiple facets of our life. So going to school while working is a balancing act. It absolutely is. Um, but people do it all the time. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I really think that you can get great grades. I had three jobs while I was in school. Um, and I loved every single one of them, right? I mean, I was so busy, but I, I sometimes I feel like the busier people are, the better you are at managing your time anyway. Sure. You know, and not everybody, but um, get a job. Use that to pay for your eating out or going to the movies while you're in school. Um, you know, some of your groceries and that sort of thing. Just because the student loan company gives you that money does not mean you need to keep it. So send it back if you don't need it. If you're working and you can afford your lifestyle off of your job, then send the difference back and just use student loans for tuition or room and board. Oh, okay. So you can send the money back. I didn't realize that. Yes, you can. You do not need to accept that. So send that money back. Okay, that's cool. Okay, yeah. Um, get a roommate. Again, oh my God, Amy, I don't know if she's listening. She was my roommate in college and uh, I love sharing a room with her. We had a, a two-bedroom apartment with three girls and... Some of the best memories that I think a lot of us have are when you're in college and you're just watching Friends, right, <laughs> or The Bachelorette or whatever the case may be while we were sitting there uh, hanging out together. So um, get a roommate. Keep your expenses as low as possible. We are not so entitled that we need to have a huge pad all to ourselves when we're in college, okay? Um, and don't use student loans to fund your life. Um, send anything back that you absolutely don't need and uh, that way you don't have to pay so much for it later get through school uh, I don't want to say quickly but you know don't make it so that you have to retake a class don't take a bunch of classes that you don't know uh, if they're going to benefit you or going to go towards your degree or something like that that's simply costing you more more money mm -hmm. um, if you are passionate about something I'm okay with taking a class you know for that but don't simply just start adding classes to get the credits or something like that sure Okay, hope, hopefully that helps, Dave. Great. All right. Good luck, Dave. So the last segment we always close with is called Carmen's Corner. My peanut butter. Yeah, peanut butter. <laughs> um, and so the question, so Carmen's Corner is uh, talking to kids about money. Yes. Super important. I really just want to challenge parents, if you've got children, to talk to your kids about money. And I know this can be really overwhelming. So every podcast, we're just going to give you one tip on how to talk to your kids, what, what to say, what lesson you want them to learn, and maybe a way of teaching that lesson. So um, that way we can change our youth. Sure. What? Here's the question. How do you start? <laughs> how, do, how do you, how do you start? start talking to your kids about money? Like, what's, what's one way you can just start. start? Okay. There was a study done that said children start to learn about money at the age of two. Two, two. years old. Right? That's super young. Really? Very surprising to most people. So and at the age of two, obviously, they're not learning about compound interest. Okay, They don't know what that means, and you don't need to teach them that at the age of two. So what I say at the age of two is they are learning that there is a relationship between work and earning money. Okay, And what they're picking up at the age of two are things like when you leave for work in the morning, are you, oh, I got to leave, I got to go to work, I got to pay bills. 
You know, like, are you having a negative relationship there? That's, they're going to pick up on the attitude more than anything. Mm. Okay. Um, so really what you can do at the age of two, while you're driving around in the car, or you're just running errands and your two-year-old toddler is with you, is simply draw the connection between people working and them earning a living to do that. And that they are doing that by adding value to other people's lives. Mm. Okay. Which creates a very positive relationship with money at a young age. So for example, you're driving down the street and you see the school crossing guard. That lady, she's a crossing, I say lady, I don't know. It could be a guy, could be a kid. I don't know. Um, that, that crossing guard, I say lady because right down the street is a school and it's like a lady. A yep. lady. Yep. Yes. Um, I wave to her every time. Yeah. Um, so that you, that lady, she's a crossing guard. She helps kids cross the street and she makes a living to do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or the cash, the cashier at the grocery store that she helps you check out and buy your items. And she gets a paycheck in order to do that. The garbage truck guy, you know, he's picking up the trash or, um, a police officer, anybody that you're going to see just when you're out and about, like, what does that person do? How are they adding value? And that they are earning money making a living to do that. Mm-hmm. That is it. At the age of two, how simple, right? Like this doesn't have to be overly complicated. You're simply wanting to point out these things throughout your normal life. And then when you leave for work in the morning, what? why are you leaving? Okay. So a kid sometimes can have this opinion that like you're leaving the house and you're going to go to the playground when you leave. Like they don't know what work is at the age of two. So you want to explain why, are, why is mommy and daddy leaving? Where do you go? What do you do? And you obviously want to explain it in a way you know, if you're an astrophysicist or something, what is it that you're doing? You want to try and break it down for them. You know, I'm going to work. I'm going to go help people. And I tell Carmen every single day when I leave, I got to go help people with their money. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's one of those things that helping them to draw the connection between working, earning a living, and then it can be very, very positive And um, that sort of thing. That's it. At the age of two, that's all you got to do. Easy. It's so easy. Easy. Right. Yeah. And kids, I think, ask questions all the time about, you know, especially like they're looking out the front window and they see a truck go by or, you know, uh, a firefighter or something. So you just kind of want to talk about the people that are actually operating that kind of stuff. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And what are the people doing? Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Great. All right. Well, that's the podcast for today. Yeah. For this it. week. Uh, next week, we'll be back talking about... We are going to talk about the things that we splurge money on or splurge on. So the things that we like to buy to treat ourselves. Everybody has their thing. That's my theory. We all have our thing. Even me, the saver, I have my thing. Okay? So what what is your thing? What kinds of things do we spend money on? Um, how to trick ourselves into making really good decisions with those things, not being tempted, how to keep ourselves in check, mm-hmm. um, but also how to really enjoy it when we do it. Mm-hmm. Okay? Great. So all of that. So if you guys have any questions about that topic or comments go ahead and leave them and then we'll try and get you on air next week when we do this all right thanks guys have a great week we'll see you next week bye thanks for listening to the saver and the spender if you like what you just heard we hope you'll pass along our web address www.fiscalfitnessaz.com to your family friends and colleagues be sure to subscribe on itunes Follow us on Twitter at I Am Fiscally Fit and on Facebook at Fiscal Fitness PHX. Join us next time for another edition of The Saver and the Spender.